more than anything, let's get into the Word of God this morning and see what God has for us. I'm wrapping up the series on uh, PJ's Priority Passages, and I've got a great one for you today. You know, you always want to finish strong, right? And so the, ser the series is prioritizing those passages that, that if I could only speak to 10 areas of life, for spiritual renewal, what would those 10 things be, right? So what would be on your list? Just blurt some things out. What would be on your list if you could only tell or instruct someone on 10 things and that's it for their spiritual renewal, what do you think should make the cut? Anything? Discipline. Seeking first, discipline. The love of God, the love of God is deeper than loving one another. Did I hear pain? Faith. Faith. Yes, Kathy. Excellent. Well, I was hoping it was pain because I'm speaking on suffering today. Uh, can anybody relate to suffering? Yeah. I think we all can relate to suffering. Here's the biggest challenge that we face with suffering. Well, I think, based off of what I hear from people, things I read in personal experience, is that... Um, it's not convenient, is it? Suffering just is not convenient. But we're one of the few faiths that we don't want to talk about suffering. You know that suffering is one of the five pillars of Islam? Like they're trained to suffer because they understand it's a reality of life. And they look at suffering in a completely different way. The Buddhist looks at suffering a completely different way. The Hindu looks at suffering, the atheist looks at suffering in a completely different manner than so much of what we term the church, those who follow Jesus Christ. What am I speaking to? Often I have discussions with people that have given up on their faith they have given up on God because the suffering is too great. Have you met that individual? That the rationale is that if God is good, right, then he will eliminate all suffering. And if that is kind of our base of thinking or thought, it becomes very challenging and very difficult with, with that kind of mindset to move forward in seeking God. And yet, what is the answer? I would, yeah, I would ask, I would ask you to consider if, if you walked away from the faith, is suffering still there? Of course it is. So I, I think about this in terms of going to the dentist. Right? You ever gone to the, well, by your chuckles, I, I can tell you're tracking, you're, you're picking up what I'm laying down here. So, I'm just fascinated by this whole thing about the dentist. So, you know, a proper dentist builds trust. How many of you like your dentist? We are recording this, so uh, your dentist may be watching, which may have an effect on your next procedure. Uh, so, you know, a proper dentist builds trust. <laughs> a partial dentist, see what I did there? Yeah, yeah you got to be fast today. You got to keep a partial dentist. A partial dentist breaks trust. 
So I, I ran into this when I had to have a root canal. I went into my my dentist, and um, it suddenly dawned on me. You know, you, you have to sign your life away now every time you go to the dentist. Have you experienced that? So I went in for a root canal, and they're bringing in somebody I don't know, right? The traveling root canal guy or gal. And, and it, all of a sudden it dawned on me, okay, I'm going to let this guy go into my mouth with a piece of equipment that's 10 times more powerful than the juice tiger, right? I mean, this thing, this thing could drill through titanium. And I'm just going to let anybody go in there? Think about that. So I, I asked the receptionist, I said, well, so what happens if I don't sign this? And she says, well, we don't do the work. I said, isn't that convenient for you guys? So you can, you can be fully free of all responsibility if you cause me major pain and suffering. That is a beautiful racket you have going on. So the endo came in. And I said, can you show me your license? Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked to see the license? You don't know, that guy could be working at Home Depot in the, in the plumbing department for all you know, or, or the gal, right? And yet, we just let somebody go in with super drill into our gum line. First of all, we let them come in with a giant needle. And, and there's, there's so many metaphors there spiritually that's unbelievable when suffering, right? How many of you just deny the needle? And, and you're going to go through all that pain without the Novocaine. Now you know that you're going to the dentist because why? Because you need relief. You know that you've got persecution happening in the mouth, right? And you are willing to take that needle into your gums. How many of you just conveniently throw needles into your gums at night while watching TV? It is a foreign concept to us. But we will take the needle into the gum line because it's what? We know that it will help us endure the pain we're about to face. And we're willing to go through that suffering so that we what? We're better at the end. So I think we can all relate to dental work. And it's just a commonality. But when it comes to our faith, and we start to transfer these principles into faith, I think a lot of time we struggle with that. And that's why because of the effects of suffering, that so many are spiritually unhealthy or shipwrecked in their faith, that this made the list, this made the cut. Suffering is common to all men, just more severe to some. The question is not why is there suffering, the question is how I will respond. And I'll circle back to that in just a little bit about the why. Because it's the why of suffering that trips us up so much and makes us spiritually unhealthy. So there's three things I want you to walk away with today when talking about suffering. One is entropy, and you can write this down, you, you have some note area in your bulletin, is entropy, the second is free will, and the third is diamonds out of coal. Really part of what I would share with you is where we were an hour ago in our discipleship class, we were talking about leadership, and we were looking in Acts 27, where Paul is on a boat. He's on a boat to Rome, and it is one disaster after another, after another, after another. And I was sharing in the class that if you look at the end of chapter 26, Paul has appeared before Agrippa. He finally got his day in court. 
He's been in jail, first down in Jerusalem, then up in Caesarea for a very long time, suffering. He gets his opportunity in front of Agrippa, and what does he do? He tries to share the gospel with Agrippa. So much so that Agrippa even says, here's a Roman prefect, Agrippa says, are you trying to make me a Christian, Paul? Really? And the end of the matter was very simple and very discouraging all at the same time. Think about all the suffering Paul has already gone through. And so when he goes before Agrippa, he claims, I'm a Roman citizen, I want to appear before Caesar. Okay, basically claiming his rights. So it kind of nullifies anything Agrippa would rule. At the very end, the chapter says this, that Agrippa turns to Festus, his proconsul, and says, man, that's a crying shame. Now, this is me paraphrasing it, okay? That's a crying shame, because this guy's innocent. And if he hadn't appealed to Rome, I'd just set him free right now. Have you ever been on that side of a decision? Where you make a decision thinking it was the most rational thing that you could do, and then you find out that you just prolonged your suffering. You prolonged your suffering. See, Paul had a different approach, though. He understood what God was asking him to do. But we learn from the lesson, and I think about this. If I were Paul, I'm walking out of the room, I'm, I'm thinking about the boat trip, I'm thinking about Rome, I'm thinking about my defense. I'm thinking through all of that, and I hear over my shoulder, oh man, too bad he made that choice. I would have set him free right now. How would we have responded to God? Some of us have suffered a very long time. We have an immense amount of different suffering that's even going on within our church. And so as we look at, or you think through the suffering that you're going through, and you ask yourself, why does God not just take away this pain? Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Has God ever taken away your pain? Has God ever answered your prayers? Has he ever done that for others around you? Does he do that in scripture? Is it his character? So there are things that we're gonna learn here in context, not to why is there suffering? Let me spell it out for you why there's suffering. Two, two main reasons. One, because of sin, and we're gonna get into that with entropy here in a second. But secondly, because God is at work. Because God is at work. And the Philippians 1 passage is going to be paramount to us understanding and changing or shifting our approach in context to suffering. And remember, the purpose and intent to why we're talking about this as a priority is because suffering derails our faith so much of the time. It refocuses our concept, our understanding of who God is and his character into something he is not. And when that happens spiritually, we spiral in decline. So that's why this is so desperately important that we understand how will we respond to suffering, not why is there suffering. Why are you suffering right now? Well, it may be the condition that our world is in. It may be issues at home. It may be your job. As I, look at, as I looked out, I know a lot of your secrets. And I could share your suffering right now with everybody. Now everybody's wide awake. But what's amazing about all of your suffering is it's very different. In certain respects, 
and yet what's happening in so many of your lives is the same because you know Jesus Christ. Because you know the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know the hope of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? And so whether your suffering is circumstantially coming from different ways and different places, for anyone who can look and see what God has been doing and how he has answered your prayers in the past concerning your suffering, it gives you hope, does it not? I'm going to share at the very end a story about an artist that I follow, and this fits with that concept of diamonds out of coal. Turn to Philippians 1, and verse 27 is going to be our key passage, but um, for those of you that are used to it all being up on the PowerPoint, you're just going to have to imagine it. In Philippians 1, we've already been here one time with this series, but I want to read to you, first of all, the key verse here that I want you to hold on to is very simple, but in incredibly complex. So get in your mind what your biggest challenge is with suffering right now. Okay? What is it that's causing you suffering? And Paul says this, by the way, he's writing from prison. He's now survived the boat trip, made it to Rome, and he writes these words. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear, now listen to this, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That is the mark of a spiritually healthy church, my friends. The mark of a spiritually healthy church is also a church that has suffering, but is thriving in the midst of the suffering. But that is the key verse standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel i stand in front of you so encouraged by the four people that came to my class this morning on leadership i stand here encouraged by the brother in christ that's going to be doing a concert from this stage friday night that presents the gospel He's going to work hard towards that. I stand here encouraged by the elder who helped come early to set up chairs so that you could worship. I stand here encouraged by seeing God manifested his love through all of you in Christ Jesus, standing firm in the faith, one spirit, one mind. That takes the discipline of the love of God. Amen? And every day, have you experienced this yet? Every day there is this nagging, uh, uh, voice of pessimism trying to steal your joy away? Have you experienced that yet? And this is the beauty of faith in Jesus Christ. This is the beauty and this is why it is so desperately important because no temptation has come to you except that which is common for man. That word temptation can mean trial. It can mean discipline. It can come from a good source. It can come from an evil source. It just means a huge 
challenge. No huge challenge has come to you other than that which is common to man. Suffering is common to mankind. Let me read the rest of this passage and you'll hear some incredible words of wisdom from Paul. So to back it up, he says, only let, <clears throat> only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. But if you look prior, he says, go to verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Back it up even more. 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is what? Is to gain, back it up even more. Uh, verse 18, yes, and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. How many of you are praying for deliverance from your suffering? And Paul inspires, he knows that through the prayer of the saints, he is established and he is strengthened. He is able to minimize the monster of suffering. There's so much joy, right? We, we, those who know the book of Philippians know that, that it's referred to as the joy book. And yet he's writing two years in prison. He talks about his deliverance, right? And so as you look at this, he says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. This is why I preach this message to you today. It is for your progress and your joy in the faith, because we are going through it. The world is going through it. The clouds are getting darker in my perception. We are being so heralded with bad news over and over and the stress level that is on people and the level of suffering that is just exponentially growing. The reason I preach this is for your progress and for your joy in faith. These words come from someone who's been in prison for two years. He comes with credibility. Let me break this down on, on the question is not why there is suffering, but the question of how I will respond to suffering. If you were here for an early part of the series, you remember I spoke about sin and the issue of sin. We don't like to talk about sin. Uh, it's not a popular thing, but it is that which causes most of our suffering. And so if someone slaps you in the face, and you continue to stand in front of them and they pull their hand back again, are you just gonna keep your face right in front of them? Hopefully not, or that's the definition of insanity, right? You adjust, you move out of the way, and yet we as the church still don't wanna talk about sin. I shared with you it was one of the top 10 things that we need to discuss because it has such an effect on us and the world around us, but we forgot in the span of six weeks that that's an important thing. So the title was Excuses or Entropy. And so this idea of entropy, where are my scientists? <laughs> what is entropy, Katie? Chaos. It's the deconstruction of something that's been constructed. It's the breaking down of things. If you're anywhere past the age of 24, you're living it. All right? 
Uh, somebody just had a birthday recently and they were turning 25, I think. Oh, was it Mana? Um, I, I don't know, but, but my speech to them was, yeah, it's all over now. Once you hit 25, it all breaks down and it's entropy. Sin entered the world because of one man. Now, because of that curse, do you think if Adam and Eve had their choices, they would have gone back prior and not eaten of the fruit? Do you think they would have made that choice? Or do you think when they got to the end of the consequences, they just said, yes, we did it. We broke humanity. We broke the garden. We screwed everything up. This is phenomenal. I don't think that's how it went. And yet, in our lives, we struggle to see this over and over and over. That the reason we have suffering is because of sin in the world. I just saw in the news that last week, somebody in the middle of the day killed an entire family of three in a head-on collision, middle of the day in San Jose, uh, because of being inebriated. Now that person probably had really good reasons for being inebriated and getting behind the, the wheel of the car, right? I mean, we should really be compassionate there. Um, there are three people who no longer exist because of that. But if you follow the chain of suffering, it's not broken, it's just added to. Now the entire family of those who lost loved ones are now suffering because of that sin and that breakdown. The family and friends of those who know the individual who made the choice to get behind the wheel are now suffering because of that breakdown. Anybody who has experienced this and saw this in the news, all of that was refreshed in their mind and they're re-suffering again and have to recalculate and recalibrate how to make sense out of any of that. And yet tomorrow we'll hear about the same situation, won't we? There is suffering everywhere. And one of the main reasons is it's broken. Romans 8. All of creation is groaning, looking forward to when God will reestablish it. And that happened when sin entered the world. And so we're in a constant state of breaking down. So you want to know some of the why? Number one, entropy. Sin has its effects. And we see it all around us, and we see it in ourselves, don't we? All of this used to be up here, but entropy made it slide south, and it's not comfortable anymore. Entropy. Free Will. There's a new movie out called Free Guy, and uh, I saw it the other night, and kind of the real impetus behind this movie is when they get through all the suffering and all the challenge and all the difficulty and all the horrible circumstances, they put a capstone as to what this was about. What are you gonna do now that you conquered all of this? I'm gonna do what I want. That's the prolific message that they want in this movie. That's what made all the suffering worth it. I'm gonna do what I want. Let me ask you, can you think of anything that goes wrong when people act that way? But God gave us free will. I have people come in for crisis marriage counseling 
And sometimes I just want to say, well, you chose her. You chose him. <laughs> this was your free will choice. But you got to get back to the, the belief in marriage itself, which means there will be suffering simply because of entropy or sin. And that because that person across from you has free will, it makes love that much more beautiful when offered and given freely, right? Beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. But it also gives them the free will to choose to be what? Selfish. Self-serving. That's the part we don't like. That's the part that's frustrating. Free will is one of the major reasons we have so much suffering in the world. Lastly, diamonds out of coal. And this is the idea that we see posited in James 1. Consider it pure joy, my friends, when you, what? Suffer trials of many kind because it is for what? The maturing of your faith. And I've got some scripture here that works with that as well. And the idea is this, that if Paul had given up because the suffering was too much, and he felt God abandoned him. Think about all the churches that would not have been established. Think about even Agrippa, knowing the character of Paul as he stands before him and testifies that Agrippa would have just simply had Paul killed like that. But instead, the gospel was presented to a leader of the nation. And throughout history, we have story after story after story of because of suffering, God does incredible work out of that suffering. He does unbelievable work through you even when there isn't suffering, but it is because of our free will, right? If we look to scripture, we see the relationship historically of, of Israel and God. Israel would get on this plateau, right? Because they were following God. When is the hardest time to follow God and, and love him and obey him? It's when we're doing really well, <coughs> right? We have no need for God because everything is great. I was asking the Lord to cure my throat so I didn't have to reach for the water, but he didn't answer that prayer. Now he answered that prayer. In thinking about how God works through these moments that never would have happened, if it were not for suffering. Put in your mind individuals that have inspired you. There is no inspiration when there is no risk. Inspiration happens in the face of adversity. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18 is a great passage and Paul calls us jars of clay. Clay was such a common thing that, that anybody from any social structure had clay. When I was over in the Holy Land, you found broken pottery at every, at every biblical site. I think what they did is there was a factory that made a bunch of clay pots and then they broke them. And, and in the middle of the night, they'd go out and throw them all over these holy sites. So the tourists would walk away thinking, I got something from the time of David. Yes, this is incredible because it's everywhere. My friends, our suffering is everywhere. It's common to man. Clay was the common thing, but it's what's inside, Paul is saying, that's a value. And a, a clay, 
a pot can get scraped, it can get damaged. It can go through its own pressures. But what Paul wants to help us understand and encourage us with is this idea of suffering and how do you do that when we can be compared to jars of clay. And he has a prolific saying, speaking as one who has gone through it. So 2 Corinthians 4, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show what? That the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. How many of you have been inspired by someone who is somewhat weak or challenged? I saw the most beautiful video the other day where a gentleman who knows how to play guitar, I have no idea how, how um, the skill set was, but a little autistic and blind girl heard the music and her parents brought her over and the joy that was happening within this girl's life just because this man was playing guitar. Now most musicians might listen to him and just say, you know, you really shouldn't be playing out in public. You're not that good. You know, save it for the professionals, right? We hear that spiritually, right? Don't don't attempt great things for God. Save that for the professionals. Paul reminds us that yes, while the body is fragile, it's what's inside of us that has the value. It's the power of God that has value. And so he talks very specifically. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. There's your why. As the church, we are always being given over to death, suffering persecution, because Jesus went through that. And he didn't just survive, he thrived. He is the author and perfecter of our salvation because he was perfected through his suffering. He was a worthy sacrifice. And now he chooses to manifest his glory through you, the church. And so it is through that suffering, through those challenges that Paul just listed, and he hit just about every emotion, right? That, that you feel when you're suffering. But with every emotion, he had an add-on. Did you catch that? I'll just pick one. Struck down, but not destroyed. Anybody feel struck down this past week? But I'm not destroyed. Right? always carrying around in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. You are his representation. You are the diamond that through pressure and through stress is being turned from coal into beauty that manifests God's work in Jesus Christ through you. Take all that away. In lieu of eliminating suffering. And I'm not sure there's much power behind the message of the gospel.
because the message of the gospel is shrouded. It's immersed. It's bathed in suffering. Because that's what sin requires. But the beautiful part of that story, of that reality, is that there is the ability not to be destroyed, not to what? Not to be perplexed, not or, or not to be driven to despair, not to be forsaken. <coughs> we can go through all of that, but never succumb if our eyes are on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Romans 5, 3 through 5, speaks about the challenges of suffering. And it talks about, and it goes through a list again, but it arrives at the conclusion that suffering produces character, and character produces hope. Are you the same person you were 10 years ago? Are you the same person you were before you went through some of these trials you've gone through? Have you matured? Have you drawn closer to the Lord? Because you leaned on Him and His power and the power of the Holy Spirit and His promises. Cast your anxiety on me for my burden is easy and light, He says. But we want to keep, because we have free will, we want to keep carrying those burdens on our own shoulders. And so we get lower and we sink lower and lower under the demise of suffering. But those who know Jesus Christ need not to suffer ultimate demise. As a matter of fact, we will never suffer ultimate demise. We have our hope where? Our hope is in heaven. Our hope is in every moment where suffering is happening. There is an answer to that suffering in Jesus Christ and victory over that suffering. Now, any, any of you that know me know that I'm, I'm a realist. <clears throat> I walk in faith on a huge level, but when I just said that statement, I know many of you are suffering with physical pain. And if I was you and I said what I just said, I'd say, well, I've been praying for release from this suffering and God has not answered my prayers. That may not happen. That may not happen, and that may be because it may be part of your process. Now, it may happen, and let me ask you, do you know somebody who it has happened with? Okay? God makes it rain on the just and the unjust for His purposes. And so He's at work through all of this suffering. He is at work making us from coal into diamonds. And when we see the example of Christ and His suffering and how He was on a cross in his last moments. And in those moments of ultimate suffering, he could say the words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The most beautiful statement of love and compassion ever uttered on this earth in the history of man. We cannot appreciate the depth of that statement without understanding the depth of the suffering he was going through. Do you make the connection? So God is doing that work because that is His plan, that is His will. He's doing that work in your life. So some of the suffering you may have relieved. I just relieved the scratchiness in my throat with water, right? You remember this? Just a few minutes ago? My throat was really suffering. 
I didn't need to throw out that illustration again. I just needed water again. So I just thought I'd do that. Just to remind you. But God is doing a work in you. So it produces character and hope. Hebrews 12, 3 through 4 talks about suffering and not growing weary and doing good. But that we should consider the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. We should throw off every sin that so easily entangles us, right? The entropy. And then he says, consider. This is the first thing for us to do, my friends. When it comes to suffering, we have to start considering, contemplating, thinking through, planning, making adjustments, getting a solid foundation because we're applying ourselves to principles from God in Scripture that work with our suffering. They feed our spirit. They feed our our physical body. They feed our emotional and mental state. Joshua 1.9. Does anybody know? Because I've talked a lot about convenience and how sometimes the church suffers from that idiom that we were meant for convenience, that we want to worship in convenience. But here comes the courage part. Hopefully you heard that riddled throughout with examples from Paul and other examples I've given. But here's the directive where God says to Joshua as the people of Israel go in to take the Holy Land, he says, only be strong and courageous. Do not turn to the left, do not turn to the right. And you will have what? You'll have success. You'll have success. Now again, the realist in me says, some of you have been working hard at that and you're not seeing success in your suffering. You're saying, I've been working at this, I've been following what you said, I've been listening to those promises, and I still haven't seen relief from this one issue. May I remind you that God will never be able to turn his eyes from the scars on his son. There will always be a reminder to the Father what His Son had to go through for you and I. Brothers and sisters, there may always be some kind of reminder or residual of our suffering, but our heart can rise past it if it focus on that which is righteous, that which is good. Let me conclude by saying this. I listened to a pastor last week online that was talking about this issue of suffering and he kind of he kind of nailed something. He said, you know, the challenge we have as the church with suffering is kind of simple. Where we get caught up or we get stuck is because we want to solve the question of understanding why God allows suffering. When scripture says over and over that your ways are not my ways, who can know the mind of the Lord? Who has ever given to God that God should give back to him? Right? That there is only so much that God allows us to understand about him, and it is sufficient for all things pertaining to life. But let me just tell you, the way that we think, the way that we operate, to answer that question, that gets answered in heaven. Now, we can make some sense of it here, and that's what I want to share with you real quickly that this pastor talked about. We get caught up. We have an insurmountable hurdle because we can't understand if God is a good God, why then is there suffering? Okay? Now there are explanations, but this tends to be the challenge. The reality is we're asking the wrong question. 
the reality on how to get the right prescription to address the suffering as a believer is trust. Do you trust God that he is good, that he hears your voice, that he knows about your suffering, and that he is able to change things or strengthen you to move through the suffering for his will? And I thought that was pretty profound, and, and that speaks to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own, what? Understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your make straight your paths. Does it say anywhere in there that he's going to eliminate suffering? No. He'll make your, your paths straight. He'll be able to help you get your head wrapped around it, and to be able to thrive in the midst of the suffering. We know this to be true because we see it in Scripture, but also we know that God is faithful to do what He says He will do. And then lastly, we see it acted out in people around us. And hopefully we see it in our own lives. Let me finish with this. Understanding likes to hold hands with limits. Think about that. The concept of understanding Understanding loves to hold hands with limitations. It is a convenience. Trust is built with courage based in character and experience. <clears throat> to navigate suffering is to make a series of courageous choices based on trust, hope, experience, and the promises of God. Amen? I'm going to conclude with 1 Thessalonians 5. This wasn't in my notes, but my wife shared it with me last night that she's been living on this passage recently and um, so we were talking about it on the phone last night and I thought this is great to hand to you as practical application if you're suffering it's not about asking why it's about asking how and here are th four things that you can do very specifically when it comes to whatever your suffering is <clears throat> Verse 17, or 16, says rejoice always, okay? When I was setting up or building a couple of these pop-ups yesterday, I wasn't rejoicing. It was hot, it was four in the afternoon, it was smoky. Mike probably wasn't rejoicing when he built uh, the other two this morning. And yet, what reminded me was that Jesus was rejoicing when the disciples kept screwing up over and over. When the people were throwing rocks at him, when the Pharisees who should have known better rejected him and spit on him. Jesus was rejoicing. And that is such a great reminder because when I remembered that, I just stopped and I said, what a privilege to act like Jesus. Amen? The second thing you can do when it comes to how do I work through suffering says rejoice always pray without ceasing be continual in your prayers what do you got going on at work tomorrow what horrific thing is waiting for you at work tomorrow that you do not want to face can i just encourage you number one just rejoice that you don't clean out um brad and nancy have a cabin and he's been sharing with me he's that's where he is right now they have a septic tank and the line blew and Brad literally was up to his knees and you know what, 
last week and I thought about that and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, on my worst day, help me remember that that's not my job. And yet the Holy Spirit's job is to deal with our crap day in, day out. And he never grows weary of it. So that's who I want to pray to, right? The one who has the power to bring change and answers to my, my suffering. Next, give thanks in all circumstances. What? How about just the ones I like? Right? Give thanks in all circumstances. Is anybody... Um, sir, your knees are now in the sunlight. Are you giving thanks for that? But your head is in the shade. So, see? You can just say, thank you that this pop-up is covering my head. And my, my knees are getting a tan. Right? So, uh, Nelson... Just the ability to, to be so frustrated about the suffering you go through, you know, by being restrained in your chair, but to be thankful that you have modern transportation that can get you here to be with your church family, which he loves every week he can be here. He loves being with you. Right? This is how we overcome suffering. Lastly, so there's three things. Here's your fourth. Do not quench the spirit. Actually, there's five. Do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecies. I follow, in closing, I follow a, uh, I've been trying to get into jazz. It's hard. It's just hard. I'm surprised I didn't quit already. I'm suffering. Trust me, I'm suffering. I had a lesson on Thursday that I was supposed to do and, and I was just sweating bullets and I was practicing and practicing Wednesday night and Thursday morning and all this stuff was going on and, and uh, the lesson was coming up and I was just like, I'm gonna bomb out. I'm this so, and I was like so stressed out. I was like, this is supposed to be fun, right? I'm supposed to be enjoying this. <clears throat> and then I realized at 10.01, you know, my, my mentor never sent the Zoom link. I'm like, yes, there is a God. Thank you for helping me with my suffering. And I just, we just crossed our signals and I got one more week reprieve to get things figured out. But with that, I, I have to listen to a lot of jazz music and I have a favorite artist. Her, her name is Melody Gardot. And I don't know, has anybody ever heard Melody Gardot? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so Melody, in 2003, when she was 19, lived with her Polish immigrant grandmother in Philadelphia. And she was taking classes at a local junior college for fashion design. And she would ride her bike uh, to class. On a particular day in 2003, um, she got hit by a Jeep and fractured her back and fractured her pelvis. She had grown up playing music on piano and so enjoyed music, but a side or residual effect of that accident was she lost memory short term and so something she said five minutes ago she couldn't remember five minutes later and it affected her speech as well so a doctor knowing that she had music in her background made the recommendation that uh, well why don't you just like start playing music and see if that does something and it was revolutionary for her now her pain level for those of you that deal with physical pain, this is gonna be an interesting story for you. Her pain level was so great that she couldn't sit for more than five minutes. 
Um, so playing piano was ruled out. So she would lay on her back on her floor while she was recovering and learn how to play guitar and taught herself how to play guitar that way. Then what she would do is as she had lyrics come to her head or music, she would write it down because she knew she would never remember it. She got in that pattern and that discipline and slowly but surely she started getting her speech back because of music therapy that way. Incredible. And the fact, I don't think it's any mistake that this doctor just happened to mention they weren't an expert in music therapy. They're just kind of throwing out an idea. Don't you love it when doctors don't know and they just throw out an idea? It's one of the greatest things ever. But this worked. And Melody Gardot is one of the most prolific jazz crooners now, ever. And she never would have seen herself in that place. She was running for physical therapy on a, she was walking on a, on a treadmill, and she couldn't listen to her music because she was so sensitive that music would bring pain to her, her brain. And so she started looking for different kinds of music and somebody gave her a Stan Getz album. And the girl from Ipanema was what she could handle. My wife cannot figure that one out. My wife cannot handle the girl from Ipanema. Most of you are like, what is the girl from Ipanema? Let's all hum it together. No, no, let's not. My wife, no. So, that clued her into a genre that she started to explore because whenever she's in public or whenever she's performing she has to wear sunglasses because her eyes can't handle light and because of her pain and suffering she could not sing the way most people sing so she sang like this really soft and easy and they turn up the microphone and you wish Melody was singing this and not me. But the result of that was one of the most beautiful voices you will ever hear. And Melody would tell you, she said it over and over, none of this, none of this music would ever have happened without that suffering. This is what it means to move from cold into a diamond and the beauty of what god can do through you for eternity is phenomenal some of us do it without suffering some of us do it with nominal suffering some of you are suffering greatly and i implore you don't try to wrap your head around it ask how do i use this and how do i move forward let me pray over you father god i ask that you take the scripture this morning and you take the message and use it in our lives for your glory. Help us to meet the suffering that we see, that we experience, those suffering around us, to take just even the simple five concepts out of 1 Thessalonians 5 and to apply those into our daily challenges and see how the suffering can be turned into joy like Paul talks about. Thank you for an answer to the challenge of suffering. And thank you even more so that we are looking forward to the blessed hope of heaven where your promise is there will no longer be any suffering. This is what we have waiting because of Jesus Christ.
Thank you. Amen.